John chapter 14, we're, uh, I want to talk to us just a minute about Christianity, about our faith. When we're talking about Christianity, And I guess I could mean several things when I say our faith, uh, but I'm not talking about the act of your believing. I'm talking about the thing which you believe. That's what I'm talking about. The thing which we believe. Christianity itself. What Christianity is not... It's not... Uh, A code of morality. That's not what it is. Are there Christian morals? Does God give us? Uh huh. But if all Christianity is, is a, a list of moral codes. If that's all it is, then you could compare it with Islam or Buddhism or whatever else is on the list. I don't care. Figure it out. What else have men come up with? You know, the problem with all man-made religions You know the problem with that? What's the problem with that? Chuck, give it a all shot. The, all, the, all the other religions have one person. There are people, you know, they're people oriented. You know, they're not a deity based religion. Yeah. Do, they have, do they have laws and rules? Have laws. Oh. Does Christianity have laws and rules? Well, then they're the same thing. Not the same. Why are they not the same thing? Because the person they, <coughs> they worship, the person they worship, it was just a man. And Buddhism doesn't even worship a person. No. You know, Buddhism doesn't worship Buddha. Last time I had to do research, which was a decade ago, you know, the latest Buddha was 18 years old, uh, went into the jungle for six months and considered his navel. Okay. Whatever, whatever religion, that's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. We've been looking at the Gospel of John. John's not presenting a code of morality. What is he presenting? He's presenting Jesus as the one, as the truth.
This is what he's presenting. He's presenting a person. His name is Jesus. They called him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. That's the command through the angel Gabriel that Mary received, and that's what they call him, Yeshua, Yesu, uh, Jesus. He presents the person, Jesus. What Christianity is, I am getting a bigger board uh, Jim and I have already got one targeted. What Jesus brings What he brought, what he brings, is redemption. That's what he brings. Redemption? Yeah. Redemption from sin. Redemption from death. The problem with man-made religions, the problem with, oh, I just love Christianity because it's so nice and Christians are always so nice to each other. I got Muslim friends that are really nice to each other. And they're really honest. But there's not a redemption in Islam. You know why? It leaves you with you. If what you do is you take Christianity and you can take the morals in Scripture and you can take the commands in Scripture and, and you can act, because most of the world does, you can act as if these, these are instructions from God. You can believe the instructions are divine and they are exactly what God said and they call her the full authority of God. And if all you get out of the book is a system of codes and deeds and regulation of morality, then, brothers and sisters, the problem with that is it leaves you with you. And that didn't do not one thing. That didn't help not one thing. Before you had the Word of God, you had you. And this is our choice. We, we will. God is the God of the living and the dead. He will judge all men. Uh, and he'll do that based on you, or he'll do that based on his plan of redemption. And Jesus Christ came to bring redemption. Now, what's John's? John doesn't use, as best I remember, John doesn't even use the word redemption in his gospel. What's John's word? What'd Jesus bring? That's what he brought. What do you mean life? Qualify that. Eternal life. eternal life. What does eternal tell you? How long it lasts? That's not, eternal is not how long. How long would do with something temporary? You could talk about how long this building will last or how long this board will last or how long your car will last. All those things are temporary. They had a beginning and they have an end. When I'm talking about eternal, I'm not talking about time. 
It's an adjective. It's not an adverb. It doesn't tell you how long the life is. It tells you what kind of life it is. And when it's eternal, when it's eternal, what does it have to do with planet Earth? Did it come from the world? Did it come from temporary people? There's not another religion on the planet that promotes this. They don't promote eternal life. There's no source for it. Just here's the laws, here's the rules, here you go. Try hard. You mess that up, try harder. When you mess that up, try harder. That's the worst thing to do if you're in quicksand. No, that's fact. Hold your breath and get real still. And long for somebody who's not in the quicksand to come by, extend something to you and pull you out of it. Eternal life, that tells you it's not from around here. It's not from you. Well, you're going to do life this way. I'm going to do life this way. That had anything to do with this. Because to bring this, to bring this, you can't be from around here. Jesus is not from around here. He's flesh and blood. He is the son of man to mark it down. He still is. I don't understand exactly everything I know about this, but he still is a man right now. 1 Timothy 2.5 is either inspired or it's not. If it's not, then none of the rest of the New Testament is, but it is inspired and it is the truth. And the man, Jesus Christ, is still interceding right now for us. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. You can't get around that. Jesus Christ is still a man. 1 John chapter 3, we don't know what he's presently like. He is glorious. He has now been glorified and his body is glorious. He still is a man somehow, some way. God can still refer to him as a man because guess what he's still doing for us? Interceding. That's his purpose. He came here to bring life that wasn't here. He came here to do something people can't do. And in his life and in his death, and especially now in his resurrection, which is where we're just on the heels of, Lord willing, Sunday we'll get there. But through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, brothers and sisters, he's brought this right here. He has brought... Redemption in him, Paul would say, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in about verse 14. In him, we have redemption, comma, the forgiveness of sin. A list of rules and regulations, a code of morality cannot remove sin from sinners. That doesn't do you any good. That doesn't do you any good. We'd, we'd rather talk to people about anything in the world, how we do church, how, how this is done, how that is done, what God commanded here, God commanded here. Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not talking about him? This is my question. I've got an idea why. I'm not making an accusation, I'm presenting presenting this because this is true of me and I've known this for 30 years been trying to fight my way out of 30 years when they throw dirt in my face and y'all say amen and go on I'll still be struggling with this because this is a struggle of our flesh we want to fix things we want life to be on our terms 
The only thing, and I can't fully guarantee that, but if you used to get in the car with me and drive down here to Handles, uh, you could get vanilla or some kind of chocolate and about 30 other flavors, and that's on your terms. If I take you out to eat ice cream, say what flavor you want, that's on your terms. Beyond that, there ain't much of life that's on your terms. It's just not. Eternity is sure not on our terms because it's not from us. So if we're talking about this, usually we're talking about whatever we're thinking about. And here, this is why, this is all introduction. This is all rationale for why we're, start, we're fixing to do what we're fixing to do here. Because we're fixing to do some things about the Holy Spirit. We're fixing to do some things about the apostles. We're fixing to do some things. This, this life, this eternal life, this redemption, guess how it's going to come to you? How will this come to you? Jesus, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these were written that you may believe. These were written to give you evidence that Jesus is the man. Pun intended. No, he's the man. He's the one that does this. He's the one who brings redemption. God is offering us redemption. He didn't take us to the ice cream shop. It's in the party. This is life before judgment comes. And judgment will come. Comes on a daily basis in some figurative way. How, how, how I treat my wife, how I treat other people. He's offering me salvation, not just on the day of judgment right now. He's offering me salvation. He's offering Jadon salvation from Jadon on many levels. Do you understand that? What drags me away and entices me? Yeah, not yours, mine. And no, I mean, I'm agreeing with you, brother, but that's what James said. Each one of us is dragged away and enticed when by our own evil desires. I mean, we come into a room, we're looking at a bunch of chairs, which one are we going to sit in? Unless you've got training from this guy and you're willing to give yourself up, you're looking for the one that best suits you. That's how we do Y'all know I took a picture a couple of weeks ago of the whole congregation together at one time. <clears throat> I've got a copy of it right here. I'm going to pass it around. When I pass it around to you, who's the first person you're going to look for? Yourself. 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 What? <laughs> what? Are we? I've done that with a lot of people. Guess who the first person everybody looks for is? Well, I just wanted to see if my makeup was right. I wanted to see, why? Why aren't you looking to see if Chuck's shirt was tucked in? Why aren't you looking to see if Chuck had his eyes closed? Why don't you care about if he had his hair combed? See how we are? It's 
So God's rescued us from all that, and he can't rescue you from you. He can't rescue you from selfishness catering to your selfishness. And he's got to rescue you from your sin. Ain't nobody in here wants what they deserve. Is anybody in here a sinner? Yeah, I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that. I've already had, you know, typical taste of that in this life. I've lived life on my own terms. That is sad and wretched. I hurt people. Jim, sorry for that. I don't like that. When he hoping that. He's trying to introduce us to this guy. Why? Because he brings life. And so we've been reading the Gospel of John, and what's John telling us? He just talks primarily about three years of Jesus' life. What's he telling us these things about Jesus? What's some of the things he's told us about Jesus in the Gospel of John? Okay. Yeah. Well, give me one, Chuck. The uh, man that was blind. He rubbed some mud. Man born blind. Jesus went over, rubbed, rubbed, uh, spit in the dirt, made some mud, rubbed it in his eyes, and told him, go wash in the pool of, I sent you there. Salo him. So what? The most religious but biblically knowledgeable human beings on the planet had a Supreme Court meeting and they pulled this guy in front of them and said, what on earth? What on earth? And the guy said, I can't figure out why we're having this meeting unless y'all trying to be his disciples. What are we doing? If the devil himself showed up, he couldn't give sight to a man born blind. This guy comes walking along, gives sight to a man born blind. Y'all tell me y'all don't know where he's from? I don't believe that for a minute. I've been blind my whole life. I know exactly where he's from. He's from God. So I suggest we start listening to what he said. They don't care nothing about that, do they? Why is John telling us about this miracle? So there can be no more blind people on planet Earth. Has that miracle got anything to do with ridding the earth of blind people? No. Has the historical record of it got anything to do with ridding the earth of blind people? No. Then what on earth is he doing with it? He's given us testimony who Jesus really is, the Son of God. If he gave us his eyewitness testimony, John 19, verse 35... Why would he give us eyewitness testimony in regard to that? So we would believe. So we believe. So we believe what? Jesus is the Son of God. That's it. That's it. Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. If he is the Son of God, then he is God in the flesh. Come here. Come here for what purpose? To give men a list of rules that they could have made up on their own? No. To give people a better way to live? No. 
to bring about and offer redemption, to offer hope to the hopeless, to offer life to the dead, to offer redemption to those who stand on their own. As simple as you want to put it. Brothers and sisters, I've been a Christian for the bigger part of my life at this point. I haven't always understood this. You, you, can, you can learn Jesus says, Son of God, and obey the gospel and not get all this necessarily. People don't generally catch what they're not taught. And so as we're going through this gospel, everything from this point forward comes out of what we've studied in John. There's not anything in Scripture that doesn't point to him, the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Everything that was written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The law and the prophets bear witness to the righteousness from God. That is redemption itself. This is the story. This is the message. How does it come to us? How do you know? How do you know, Brother Bill? How do you know that a man born blind received this sight? How do you know that? By the account. By the eyewitness account. Now, come over here to John 14. I suggested to you the other day, and we're, we're, I'm not going to exhaust this. I know y'all think sometimes I'm exhausting. I probably am. The Scripture's not, but I am. Although Solomon did say uh, hard work, uh, Bible studies, a lot of hard work. So, I suggested to you in Scripture because you're not hearing Thomas, you're not hearing Simon, Peter, and Thomas, and Philip, and Judas, not Judas Iscariot. You're not hearing them have this conversation with Jesus. You're reading a record of it. John's the one who gives it to us. But he wrote down the parts. Don't think he exhausted this conversation at all. But he wrote down the parts of this conversation. And anytime you're having a conversation, you're reading a historical record of that conversation. If you will look for the questions asked. If somebody were typing out a manifest of this Bible class, if they wanted to get some context for what's going on and what am I talking about, you'd be looking at the questions that are asked. This gives context to your conversation. Well, the one we didn't talk about much yet, we really did, but not specifically, down here in verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, Judas is a very common name. He's, he's another apostle named Judas. Jesus had two. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said... But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? It's an extremely important question. It's a really important question. And Jesus replied, 
Well, Judas, see, it goes like this. Your superior intelligence and you love to tell. That's not what he said. Let's pay attention. Let's pay real close attention to what Jesus starts talking about. In reply to that question, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. People take that out of context all the time. It's a fact. It's an axiom. You can, but if you take stuff out of context, you better watch out. You'll build a pretext. You don't want a house built out of that. You don't know what's going on. If anyone loves me, not just you, Judas, not just you, not you and your 10 buddies that are left. There was 12 of them. Judas has already left chapter 13 to go and go do more quickly what he's got to do, and that's betray Jesus. So he's down to 11 apostles. John calls them disciples because they are. All apostles are disciples. Not all disciples are apostles. Okay? If any, and I've made a big deal out of that, and I hadn't really told y'all why fully yet, but I will. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Not just you, Judas. Not just you 11 guys, Judas. Judas, don't think that I'm having this conversation with you strictly for you 11 guys. I love y'all. I prayed all night, and then I selected you. If anyone obeys my teaching, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Does that sound like a synopsis of Christianity? What's the offer of God in Jesus Christ? Love us, forgive us, and live in us. So he can be with us, we can be with him. So he'll be our God and we'll be his people. I mean, they started saying that, Jeremiah did, 600 years before Jesus was born. But that's kind of a synopsis of Christianity, isn't it? Because he's already told them, I know y'all are upset and you're troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Don't worry about it. I'm doing this. It's going to work. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. The words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is mixed up. He said, why, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Why don't, after you go to the Father and prepare a place for us, why don't you just go to every single person on planet Earth and tell them what happened? I'm not doing that, Judas. We're not at the ice cream store. This is not on your terms. Let me tell you what we're doing. My teaching, Judas, is going to be for everyone. Can you see that in that statement? Where's this teaching going to come from? Jesus going to spend 400 more years on this planet Earth teaching anybody? Jesus is done teaching people, except for the 40 days he's going to spend with these guys here in a minute. So he's talking about his teaching, and look here in verse 25. All this and everything I've taught you hasn't been my words, really been the Father's word who sent me to accomplish redemption, to bring eternal life. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, comma, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Nothing has been done in the name of Jesus up to this point, nor will it be done until Acts chapter 2. 
Okay? It's all been done by the Father's authority. The Father will send in my name, will teach you, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Judas, you know why I'm not going to show myself to the whole world? I'm going to show myself to you. You know why? I have just <coughs> given you instructions through the Holy Spirit, and after, after I have been crucified, I have been buried, I have been resurrected, and then I have been ascended into heaven and glorified. After I have been glorified, the Father will send the Spirit in my name, by my authority, the Father will send the Spirit to you 11 guys, to you apostles that I'm talking to and showing myself to and going to show myself to again. The Father's going to send the Spirit to you, and when the Spirit comes to them, guess what they're going to have? The message, not a message, the message of redemption. The message concerning eternal life. Come over here with me to Acts 1. That's just one book over. It's about six pages over. If you're still looking at pages, if you're doing digital, you'll just have to put in Acts 1. This is Luke, the prophet, talking. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, Acts 1-1, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. That's when he was glorified. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to who? The all, the, all the disciples? No, the apostles. To the apostles. After giving instructions to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to all men to satisfy Judas's question. No, he didn't. He showed himself to who? For the sake of this argument. To these men. These men who? The apostles and showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about, John 14, 15, and 16. We've covered great detail about that. For John, that's the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, not the apostle, John the Baptist, we'd call him. For John baptized with water, baptism of repentance for Jewish people only. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when they met together, when who met together? the apostles, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What on earth? 
He's already been raised from the dead. He's having this conversation with them, and you could put in a thimble and it'd roll around like a BB in a boxcar what they understand about the kingdom, about the nature of redemption coming, about life coming. Because, see, they lived under the authority of people who had taken even the law of Moses. The law was given through Moses. All this comes from John 1, first 18 verses. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's not a system of morality. It's not some kind of legal code. We're not pouring out. We're not having a who can sin the last contest. We're not in the business of pointing out people's sin. We're in the business of pointing to Jesus. Now, if you got a question about whether or not something's sin, uh, you know, I'll de- all I know about sin will cost you nothing. We'll dig through the book and find it. In the first place, I don't care if you find out about your sin. I care if you find out about Jesus. I think you're fully aware of your sin. Anybody in here doesn't do things selfishly? Anybody in here is not sinful? It's old enough to understand what I'm talking about? I've been, I hadn't been everywhere. I've been on several continents, lots of countries, and I hadn't met anybody yet to understand that. So why fall into this devil's trap like, like most people do and, and think that religion is, is that, that promotes redemption and eternal life? It's not a, a system of deeds that you're supposed to try to do. It's based on someone who came. And if he tells you to do anything, and there's a bunch of stuff he tells us to do, it's to connect us with him not ourselves, not ourselves. I just haven't met precious few. I can't remember everything all the time. I have met precious few people who wake up frustrated at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night, just, just up in arms about the reality Because this redemption, let's mark it down, this redemption is only as secure as the historical facts of his life, his death, and his resurrection. No, it's only as secure as that which provides it. We get all that through the message of the apostles. But, but this, nobody's, nobody, nobody gets frustrated and quits the church because they're wrestling with the tangible historical fact of did Jesus do what, what the authoritative record says that he did? I never hear any honest argument. I'm talking about arguments in people's hearts about that. I've debated all kinds of stuff like that with people. I'm talking about people who believe that he's the son of God. But I see people quit the church all the time because they can't quit sinning, because their sin has the best of them, because they can't do it. They give up. It's like, where's the beef? They don't get it. Well, the reason they don't get it, brothers and sisters, the reason people get frustrated and the reason people get tired and the reason people are hopeless is because, is because their situation with God depends on them. I don't even want men's breakfast depending on me. 
I'll cook it, but it might get burnt or just left off the list, let alone eternal life. This is not, this is not based on us. It's based on him. And everything he tells us to do is a call, is a call, is a call to come to him, to come to him. Treat your wife like I told you to treat her, Jadon. Why? Well, if you don't, I'm going to damn you. That may be, well be true, but that's not redemption. Because there's things about me, Jadon, you will never know until you treat her the way I told you to treat her. Treat Chuck the way I told you to treat Chuck. Why? Because it's an invitation for you to realize that when I changed the water to wine, it didn't have anything to do with wine. When I healed the man born blind and gave him sight, it didn't have anything to do with blindness or sight. When I took two sardines and five tortillas and I fed 20,000 people, it didn't have anything to do with two sardines and tortillas. Those were involved, and you could draw some illustration from that. It had to do with me. And I can take what is totally inadequate and change it on a dime. I can take what is insufficient in the amount that's had and bless it, and you'll have more than you had when you started. We're going on a journey, brothers and sisters. We're, we're, we're walking a journey. We're walking a path, and it's not to ourselves. It's not to our effort. It's not to our intelligence. It's not to our intellect. It's not to our effort. It's sure not to our numbers and to our finance. I'm talking about the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives of men and women. I'm talking about the power of Jesus to give life to the dead. When he raised Lazarus from the tomb, it didn't have anything to do with, with cemeteries, uh, tombs, mountains, or funerals. It had to do with I am. I am the resurrection. I am the thing. That's what everybody's afraid of is what? Death. Well, the message that gives us victory over death is the message that brings life. And what we're really talking about, I got a little sidetracked and fired up. What we're really talking about is where did that message come from? And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Because these 11 men that Jesus is having this conversation with, brothers and sisters, they don't understand. Come here from Sikkim in regard to the kingdom. They don't, know, they don't, they don't have a clue. They know he's going to die. They told him, if we go back to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. They tried to kill us last time. He's already told them 14 different times, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to chief priests, the elders, teachers of law. I'm going to be spit on, persecuted, mocked crucified and raised again on the third day. That's the itinerary, boys. He's already told them that. Five or six times, at least separately in Scripture. They're scared to death and they're troubled and they don't want anything to do with it because they don't understand it. You know why? It's not from around here. It's not patch a hole in the net and let's catch some. It's not from around here. It's not stuff they're familiar with. It is from above. And God has sent his only beloved son, and he will prove in what he did who he is. And what we're, what we're introducing here is the proof of his resurrection.
The very fact that I hold a message from the Apostle John and I've got mine laying open right over, the very fact that I have that and I have it open is proof to me that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? You couldn't get these disciples, you couldn't get these apostles together and make a sandwich, much less build a kingdom. Let's let's start something that's so, that's so universally ginormous. People are going to divide time at this event when he goes to the cross. I don't care if you call it common air or not. We all know what you're talking about. You want to call it before Christ or before the common air? The cross is still in the middle of it. You know, bigger, Jesus bigger than all get out. He took 11 men that didn't understand anything, and in 53 days after that cross, he changed the world. And it was like somebody set Jerusalem on fire. And he told them, we didn't finish that, I got sidetracked preaching. Come back over here to Acts 1, because this is the basis of all this. I'm telling us this, and it, it doesn't matter to me if you're a Christian or not. I want you to know the basis of this is historically verifiable information. The enemies of Jesus and don't think the Roman government and the Jewish leaders of the nation didn't, didn't come very quickly to hate the guts of Jesus Christ. They did. And if they could have published any truth that would have wiped the church off the face of the planet, they would have. If they could have produced any evidence to stop this thing, they would have. They didn't. You know why? I got a suggestion. Because they could not. Back over here in Acts 1. So they're still thinking about the king. They're still thinking about Jerusalem, a physical. No, I'm not a political Messiah. In verse 7 and 8 is really why we came over here. He said to them, them who? Chapter 1, verse 2. Apostles. He said to them, it is not for you, you who? Apostles. To know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He already said, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Luke 17. Ain't none of your business when Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and the Son of Man doesn't know it. We'll talk about that later sometime. But the Son doesn't know everything that the Father knows at this point. It's none of the Son's business when he's going to do some stuff. It's sure not any of their business. But you will receive power, you, Judas... Why are you going to show yourself to us and not to the whole world? But to you, Judas, I'm telling you, I'm using the word Judas because in 14, 20, ever what it was, 22, when Judas asked the question, we're still answering that question. Why are you going to show yourself to us? Why are you going to prove it to us? Why are you having this conversation to us? Why don't you just, let's, let's build an airplane that we've never heard of and let's print off papers that we hadn't invented yet. Let's just scatter them over the whole world and give out data. Christianity is not built on just data. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. John 14, 15, and 16. What's got to happen to Jesus before the Holy Spirit comes? Number one, he's got to die. Number two, he's got to be resurrected. Number three, he has to be glorified. When I'm sitting on the throne as king, when the authority is functionally mine, then the Father will send in the name of the king the Holy Spirit to you. Judas and the other ten. It is for you to, it's not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. 
Lots of people saw lots of stuff. This is a special conversation. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the capital city where they're going. Capital city of what? <coughs> Judea. In Jerusalem. In all of Judea. Okay. And then what? Samaria, that's the 10 northern tribes. I guess we should have drawn the bulk of it up here. Now you've got, when you've got Judah and Samaria, now you've got all the 60,000 square miles of Palestinian land that God marked off and said Abraham and his descendants. Now you've got all of it. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then where? We're going worldwide, boys. Why don't you show yourself the whole, I'm going to show myself to you, Judas. I'm going to keep my promise to you, Judas. I'm, the Father's going to send the Spirit by my authority to you, Judas, to give you what? A message. You don't understand it. You can't receive it. I've already said a whole bunch of stuff to you, and y'all are arguing and talking about stuff that doesn't make any sense at this point. You don't understand anything, but when the Spirit comes... So after Jesus died, after he's buried, after he's raised again, gone into heaven and is glorified. So if these 11 cod fishermen, I'm using that as a general statement, plus the tax collector, if these guys who couldn't get together and do anything except hide very effectively, if they come to Pentecost, 50 days, that means 50 days Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, so if they're there, and when they don't know anything, and all of a sudden, guess what they know? Everything. Guide you into all truth, teach you all things, remind you of every single word I've ever said to you, and tell you what is yet to come. Bingo! When that happens in a matter of seconds or minutes, that's the historical record. Guess what conclusion my judgment draws? And I make a judgment. I gather the facts and I reason those facts to a conclusion. Guess what conclusion I have drawn? Jesus is the Son of God and he has kept his promise. The Father keeps his promises. Jesus kept his promises. And the Holy Spirit, he's not bringing the Holy Spirit to these guys to make them Christians. He's bringing the Holy Spirit to these guys to bring a message, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of redemption, the message that is going worldwide. And God just thought of it all of a sudden. Come over here with me to Isaiah chapter 43. 750 years before Jesus is born. Isaiah talked about Jesus more than anybody. I love chapter 43. I said that, so I'm not going to get sidetracked preaching. Just come over here with me to verse 6. He's talking about the Savior in principle, and he says, I will say, I will say to the north, he's going he's to come and he's going to rescue Fear not. Okay, I preach a little bit. Let's back up to verse 1. Now, this is what the Lord says, Yahweh says, Jehovah says. He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. That's why I use that word redemption. God's been talking about this a long time, and the law of Moses didn't bring it. 
The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth concerning redemption came through a person, Jesus the Christ. He's the fulfillment of all that. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. It's already an occurred fact in the mind of God. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When we learn that song, we'll sing it. That's a beautiful song. Come right out of the book. Hop down here to verse 6. I will say, go to the north, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. I will say, go to the north and give them up. Go to the south and do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and whom I made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations together, not just Israel, all the nations together, all the peoples assemble. Which of them foretold this or proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witness to prove they were right so that others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Even I, I the Lord, apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed, I have saved and proclaimed and, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from the ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand when I act who can reverse it. You're telling me that's not a foretaste of what Jesus told the apostles in Acts chapter 1? This didn't even make any sense to an 8th century B.C. Jew. All nations, what are we talking about? Law of Moses doesn't touch all nations. Doesn't offer redemption to anybody. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ offers it. You would know nothing redemptive about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You would know absolutely nothing redemptive about those three facts in history if he didn't send the Holy Spirit, if God didn't send the Holy Spirit by the authority of Jesus to these 11 apostles. You wouldn't know any of it. All Josephus said is, I can't figure out why our leaders killed him. He's a real wise guy. He's a wise man and, and did incredible things. I wonder if he was from God. And Pontius Pilate put him to death. So if you're talking about Jesus, anything about Jesus, I know where you got it. You got it from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Well, if you get to interview them on the witness stand, then I get to cross-examine them. I'm just going to ask them different questions than the world does. 
Was he a nice guy and were his teachings helpful to people in everyday life? Uh-huh. Can I, are you through? Can I talk to the witness? Before they ever got to Jerusalem, two and a half years before they got there, what did he say he was going to do? When they got to Jerusalem, what did he do? After he lay in the tomb three days and three nights, what did God do? After he raised him from the dead, what did he do? After he ascended into heaven, before he ascended into heaven again, what did he tell his mixed up apostles that are still afraid of everybody, hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews? What did he tell them? You go, Father's sending power. He's spending, sending a gift. He's sending the Holy Spirit. Why not to the whole world, Jesus? Judas, I'm sending him to you. You guys were here. You guys saw. You guys will understand. I'm going to change you. You're going to go from being afraid to looking the supreme. You're going to have two cod fishermen in Acts chapter 4 stand in front of the Jewish Supreme Court and shut the whole bunch up. These are guys that have been lawyers for so long and they're so good at it, they decided they better set them on the Supreme Court and now they're judges of the whole nation. And you got a couple of redneck cod fishermen up here and it's crickets. Peter said, you can try to shut us up. We cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. And let me tell you, boom, 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 boom. They'll outline to you the prophecies about Jesus Christ, the intention of God in Jesus Christ and what God offers and you will not shut them up. Jewish nation tried, Rome tried, didn't work. I'm sorry I abused you and went too long. I love you very much. I said all that real quickly. What's my offer to you always? I know I speak passionately and rapidly and all that. Think about these things. As you have questions, write these questions down. Just when they pop into your head, write them down. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you so much, Father. We don't know anybody else like you. You loved us first. And you're trying, Father, not to see how good we can be and if we can deserve something. You're trying, to, Father, to convince us of something, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the victory. He is the victory over ourselves. He is the victory over a cursed earth and a sinful world. He is the victory over sin itself. And, and the problem with sin is the wages of it is death. And he alone, Father, is the victory over death itself over the grave itself. And the witness of that, Father, every bit of it is historically verifiable. We get to choose, Father. I'm asking that you bless us with ears to hear that there is a life so abundant, a life that didn't come from us, a life that didn't come from around here, a life that is above the temporary, a life, Father, that is straight out of eternity, and a life, Father, that is eternal. That you were offering us a relationship with you that is so far above anything we can imagine. 
and it would start, Father, anytime we choose you, we'll start the journey toward it, we'll start the journey of it, and we'll live in it. Father, while we're in this temporary world, if we just listen to you, if we just answer the call of your gospel and believe, Father, the truth that you left Judas and the other 10 apostles. I know you inspired prophets, Father, but they didn't say anything that these apostles hadn't already said. Bless us, Father, to hear. Bless us to believe. Bless us to understand. Bless and guide us in any way that will bring you glory. It's through Jesus Christ who died for us and lives by the power of an indestructible life to intercede for us right now that we pray these things. Amen. Peace.